Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. La escritura de hoy viene del libro de Marcos, capítulo 10, empezando en el versículo 40. And um, you can follow along in your Bibles, or you can hear God's word read aloud, or in your apps, or also even in the projector right behind you. The word of God will be projected as well, so you can follow along. And I will be reading the scripture for us first in Spanish and then in English. Voy a leer las escrituras por nosotros primero en español y después en inglés. So let's hear now with open hearts and open minds from the Word of God, first in Spanish and then in English. Uh, Marcos capítulo 10, versículo 40. Pero el sentarse a mi derecha o mi izquierda no me corresponde a mí concederlo. Esto ya está decidido. Los otros diez discípulos al oír la conversación se indignaron contra Jacobo y Juan. Así que Jesús los llamó y les dijo, Como ustedes saben, los que se consideran jefes de las naciones oprimen a los súbditos y los altos oficiales abusan de su autoridad. Pero entre ustedes no debe ser así. Al contrario, el que quiere hacerse grande entre ustedes de, deberá ser su servidor. Y el que quiere ser el primero deberá ser esclavo de todos. Porque ni aun el Hijo del Hombre vino para que le sirvan, sino para servir y para dar su vida en rescate por muchos. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45. Let's hear with open hearts and open ears from the Word of God, beginning at verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him and said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said. Can you drink of the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be... First, must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Vamos orar. Lord God, we thank you for this day, for this morning, which represents your continued faithfulness, Lord. Every day is another chance to step toward you, Lord. 
to take your hand as your hand of faithfulness is constantly reaching out toward us, Lord. We thank you for this church community, Lord, that we get to be part of your presence, part of your spiritual body here on earth today, Lord, representing and reflecting you, Lord, here in Visalia and in the valley. And God, as we enter into your word today, would you just fill us with, uh, with, with just in amazement, Lord, at who you are. Speak to us, God. Speak to us in a way that is clear, in a way that is direct, in a way that is timely today, God Almighty. Lord, today our hearts are grateful, and that is a response to just your grace. Your grace, Lord, which you delight in pouring down and raining down on us, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the power. It's yours, God. Receive it, Lord, because you're worthy. We pray all this in the faithful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this January, we've actually been looking into just uh, what this year is going to look like together as a community. We've been talking about what it means to go the next level with God and the next level with, uh, with each other in life together as a community. And last week, we actually talked about what it means to step in and step up by being consistent and faithful. We can step in and step up this year by being consistent and faithful to God and to this community. We see that over and over again as Jesus invites us to go deeper, as Jesus invites us to go into the next level, we see that as we follow Jesus more and more, it's going to feel a lot like our world being turned right side up. Because as human beings, oftentimes we're so distracted, we're, distra- we're chasing after different mirages, different distractions, but when we follow Jesus, it can sometimes feel like things are getting turned right side up, and it can even rock our world sometimes. And one way that Jesus, again, turns things right side up, we see here in this passage, Jesus is talking about God's power and human power. And he makes very clear to us that as humans, we have every single reason to be humble. He makes clear to James and John that they don't know what they're asking. When they're asking to be great, to be at the right hand and the, and the left, hand, left hand side of the throne of God, they don't know what they're asking for. He reminds them here that as humans, we have every single reason to be humble. Como seres humanos... Tenemos todas las razones para ser humildes. The vulnerability and the fragility of humankind is inescapable. But yet we find all kinds of ways to distract ourselves from this truth or to suppress this truth. Many of us, after we get out of here, we're going to get in our cars or get on our phones and we're going to be blasted with all kinds of information, whether it be daytime talk shows or radio or commercials or schools or media, constantly trying to convince us of the lie that we are the center of the world. Jesus makes clear here that that simply is not true. Neither you or I are the center of this world. And if you don't believe me, all it takes is just one day, one day in ordinary human life with regular interactions with other people to realize that that simply is not true. Neither you or me are the center of the world. 
Ninguno de nosotros es, la, es el centro de la realidad. And yet we obsess with trying to find ways of masking this vulnerability, of masking this weakness. For some of us, we uh, can run to different things, right, that give us that, that immediate comfort or that sense of coping. For some of us, we run to different types of media, different types of apps. For others, it's compulsive working or email. For others, it's phone. For others, it's power plays. For others, it's pride. For others, it's taking on aggressive behavior, both passive-aggressive and actively aggressive toward others. All of those behaviors arise from us trying to hide the reality of our weakness. Life has taught us some of these lessons. La vida nos ha enseñado algunas de estas lecciones. If you're anything like me, you've learned that these things only work until they don't. We are in desperate need of God. And as much as we want to convince ourselves of our own power or of our own abilities or of, the, of our own I got this kind of attitude, ordinary life reminds us over and over of our limitations, of our weakness, and in our lack of power. There's God's power and there's human power. That's the conversation that's happening here between Jesus, James, and John and the disciples Estamos en necesidad desesperada de Dios, pero todavía queremos convencernos de nuestro propio poder, pero necesitamos a Dios. One of my favorite uh, current writers that I'm reading right now, a lot of his literature, is the author Stephen Covey. Some of you have heard of him. He passed away last decade, but he wrote a number of fantastic books on self-leadership and on leading others. And he actually uh, wrote this one, several books. I, I use some of the phrases that he's used before. I borrow the phrase, first things first, from his book of that same title. And he also wrote a book that maybe some of you have, have heard about or read before, but it came out back in the 80s, but it's been very helpful all these decades after then. And it's the book entitled, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And here he actually talks about, before getting into the habits, he talks about some of the common challenges that all people face, no matter what their background or what their context is. And some of the, the seven habits that he talks about that uh, highly effective people have is first he talks about that a highly effective person is proactive, right? Not just passive. He talks that a highly effective person also takes action with the end in mind, not just going with the flow aimlessly everywhere. But then before he goes into all of the habits, he actually begins the entire book with describing the top nine human challenges that we all experience. The top nine human challenges that all people in all contexts, in all countries seem to experience Yet in, in different particular ways, but they're the same thing. And I'll name some of them. And maybe they can sound somewhat familiar to us. But according to Covey, these are some of the top challenges that all people experience. There are nine of them, but I'm just going to name five of them due to time right now. But on the top of the list, on the common challenges that all human beings experience, regardless of their background, regardless of their context, at the top of the list, number one is fear and insecurity. That all of us are fearful and insecure. 
insecure, fearful of the future, insecure of the present, and unsure of what will happen in the future. So past, present, future, fearful and insecure. Number two, the second challenge all humans uh, go through is the desire for instant gratification, also known as the I want it now principle. But the reality is that good things take time. Good things often require process. Good things often require patience. Then number three in the challenges we all go through is the challenge of blame and victimization. Blaming others and victimizing myself. That's the kind of thinking that tells us, you know what, if only others would get their act together, I would be okay. And then number four in the challenges we all go through is hopelessness and cynicism. That's the kind of thinking that says, oh, that would never work. That's impossible. So I won't take the risk. I'll just play it safe. And then number five in the challenges we all go through is lack of balance in life. Feeling like I can never catch up or be enough. So according to Covey, the most common human challenges we experience are fear and insecurity. It is the desire for instant gratification, blame and victimization, hopelessness and cynicism, and lack of balance in life. Does any of this sound familiar? Or am I the only one? These challenges that we all experience lead us to feel vulnerable. Lead us to feel limited. A few years ago, I read up on some really interesting uh, psychological behavior theory. It was called prospect theory. And among other things, prospect theory looks at how individuals behave when they're confronted with their limitations or with losses or when they feel most vulnerable. It talks about how we as people act when we feel limited, when we feel inadequate, when we feel vulnerable. Prospect theory finds something very interesting. It finds that individuals, instead of accepting the reality, instead of backing down and accepting their limitations and their fragile circumstances, people tend to do the complete opposite. When there's that feeling of weakness or limitation for the human individual, that actually leads to selfish distraction. Or at worst, that feeling of limitation leads to aggressive behavior toward others. Now that seems a little counterintuitive, right? Someone would think that someone would act aggressive when they feel strong, when they feel confident, when they have an upper hand on others. They can throw some weight around. But what this study actually shows is that according to this, when a person feels weak and limited, that is when they are most likely to threaten and lash out against others. The most aggressive among us are also the most fearful. And perhaps the opposite is also true. The kinder, the calmer, the more one reflects those fruits of the Spirit, self-control, love, peace, perhaps the kinder, the calmer, the braver, and the more secure, and the more courageous we really are. 
the more we can reflect the character of God. Un estudio nos enseña que los más agresivos entre nosotros también son los más temerosos. Now it's a hard truth that scripture has a way of reminding us of that we want to look away from at times. But it's the same everyday truth that we encounter in everyday living, in ordinary life, with everyday people in these realities that we experience when we deal with people, with places, with things, with outcomes. And it is the fact that we are so much more vulnerable. We are so much more limited. And we are in need of someone. We are in need of help. We're more vulnerable and powerless than we want to admit. But then the good news is there's a flip side to that coin. On the one hand, we are more vulnerable and powerless than we want to admit. And on the other hand, the flip side of that coin is that God is so much more powerful than we want to admit. God is so much more able than we want to admit. God is at the core of our desire. God is the only one that can fill that lack, that emptiness, that inadequacy. Yet we want to fill that God-sized desire with all kinds of temporary things. Like success, comfort, denial, authority, education, power plays, power moves on others. And it's into this conversation. This conversation about the nature of power and the nature of greatness that we enter into in this passage today. Here Jesus is talking to the disciples. He is helping them understand the difference between God's power and human power. These are two different things. And the way to really understand the difference between God's power and human power, maybe we've uh, shared this before here at Imago, but the biggest difference is this. God is God and we are not. So just as a friend of mine once told me very clearly at a, at a conference that I once attended, he just said, Carlos, all you need to know for peace of mind in your pastoral work is this. God is God. You ain't. God is God, and you ain't. Neither I nor you can fill that role. God is God, and we are not. That is the key to understanding the difference between God's power and human power. Dios es Dios y nosotros no lo somos. Now the truth is that our lives will really thrive when we actually embrace this truth rather than try to run away from it. Our lives will thrive when we fully live human lives, when we accept this reality, when we live fully human lives with a joyful recognition that we are in God's world. This is not our world. We're human living in God's world. But sometimes we can reverse that and we can convince ourselves that this is our world and God is just a part of it. Well, that's going to lead to a lot of stress, conflict, anxiety. I mean, everything we see every single day, right? Just open up the news or just observe folks in a public space. That's what it leads to. But God is trying to realign and reorder our understanding of human power and God's power. And in Jesus, we actually see the reflection of God's power. And God's power demonstrates ultimate humility. 
we see a God who is quick to listen. A God who is slow to anger. And instead of immediately rebuking the disciples for their foolish questions, what does he do? Jesus actually listens to them. Jesus engages James and John and he listens to where they're coming from. In the questions that he is asking, he's actually inviting James and John to self-reflect. He is inviting James and John to reflect on their own attitude, on their own positions, on their own posture before God. How about you? This morning, today, what is your posture before God? What's your attitude before God this morning? Are you clear on the difference between human power and God's power that God is God and we are not and we cannot be God to others? He will not share that role. God is God and we are not. What's your posture today? What's your attitude today before God? Is God a convenient concept that can maybe be helpful once in a while or is God the center of reality which the Bible points to, which Jesus reveals, which the Gospel of Mark shares here in this passage. Tenemos que preguntarnos cuál es nuestra postura o nuestra actitud ante de Dios hoy. ¿Es el centro de nuestra realidad o es otra cosa? So when we convince ourselves and we mislead ourselves to thinking that this is our world and God is just a part of it, that is actually part of what James and John are doing here in this passage. They're being sincere with their question, right? They're asking Jesus, would you allow us to be at your right hand and at your left hand at the throne of God? Would you allow us to be that great, that famous? They're being sincere, but Jesus responds to them and he's letting them know that they're being both sincere and ridiculous. It is possible to be sincerely ridiculous. All at the same time, to be sincere and ridiculous. The best example that I can think of this is actually um, right when I think of the stage in life that my toddler is in, my two-year-old, Lael. Right now, he has a favorite phrase that he expresses to me every single day, and he reminds me in case I forget, and that is the phrase, I can do it. No, Daddy, I can do it. I can do it. Don't hold my hand. I can do it. Don't climb the stair. I can do it. Anything. I can do it. It's his absolute favorite phrase. And about a month ago, we actually went to the Children's Museum here in Visalia, and they have a play area that is designed like an auto shop. And he became obsessed with cars and with uh, playing, you know, different, using different toy tools to fix cars. And our two-year-old was fascinated with this, this toy car that he was able to work on with some pretend tools. And he even went underneath the car. He started sweating. He was really into what he was doing. He was fixing the car with these toy tools in the toy engine, and it was all pretend. Charlotte, my wife, was cheering him on. She told me all about it later, and we were all very proud of him. But then fast forward to just this last week. We all went on a road trip, a brief road trip, together as a family. And as we took this road trip, he threw a tantrum because he was shouting the words, I can do it. 
I can drive the van. I can do it. And you know what? He was beyond serious. His hands were clenched. His, his, and there were tears running down his face. Big Brother was crying because he was scared of the idea. He was saying, please, Daddy, don't let him do it. He can't do it. But our toddler was repeating over and over again, I can do it. I got this. Charlotte and I were just kind of smiling at the whole chaotic situation in front of us because that's our life. Constant chaos, 24-7. Some of you know exactly what we're talking about. But the main reason we were smiling was because the desire of our toddler son was so cute. Now the desire of our son is cute, but of course it is absolutely ridiculous and it is actually pretty dangerous for him. And pretty dangerous for others as well. He is being sincere and ridiculous. We can be sincerely ridiculous, but that's still being ridiculous. When we forget that God is God and we are not, we are like a tantrumed toddler child saying, I can do this. I got this. No, I don't need anyone. I don't need God. That's being sincere and ridiculous. Sincerely ridiculous, just like the request of the disciples in this text. That they would elevate themselves in a point of greatness. To be at the right and the left hand side of the throne of God. They didn't know what they were asking. Jesus had been telling them the entire time what greatness is. And greatness is not what they think it is. Greatness is not titles. Greatness is testimony. Greatness is not just um, who uh, is is more than just uh, what people think of me. Greatness is character. Yet they still don't get it. Jesus is going to die and his death will not be some kind of messy accident. His death will be how he becomes king. The cross will be the new sign of the power of God and of the greatness of God and of the kingdom of God entering into the world. A new power, a new authority that is restored and redefined. And it is exactly in this new definition of power, kingdom and authority that Jesus is pointing to. This is the point of the whole thing. James and John in this passage are like us. They're thinking like human beings. They're not thinking like God thinks. They're not thinking that God is restoring and redefining power and greatness. It's no longer about big things, but now all about eternal things. Dios está redefiniendo el poder y la grandeza en este pasaje. It's a new kind of greatness, a new kind of leadership, where God is great, yet unlike any greatness that we could think of or imagine. There's this early uh, Christian leader by the name of Irenaeus in the first century in the early church, and he would say that over and over again, that God is great, but it is unlike any greatness that you could think of or imagine. It's a new kind of greatness, a new kind of greatness marked by the cross. Marked by self-giving love and sacrifice. Where our great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ lays down His life for the sake of all of us. Including His enemies. 
That's greatness. That's greatness in the kingdom of God. This is how great our God is. So when we proclaim and when we sing those songs, it is to such a God that we sing. When we sing songs like, How great thou art. Or when we sing songs like, Great are you, Lord. It is to this kind of greatness that we are singing. To a God who would rather die than live without us. That's the greatness of God. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus challenges our ideas of what greatness is and of what success is. God looks at people, he looks at us and all of our toils, and he says, you know what? I don't care about bigness. I don't care about flashy lights. Greatness is now defined by the cross, by self-giving and sacrifice. Greatness is now defined by Jesus. Because the reality is that people can do big things. But the kingdom of God leads us toward eternal things. When we have opportunities to serve like we did last year. And like we will this year. Here at Imago Church. We can serve in different ways. Welcome, hospitality, through children's, through setup, through teardown. All of that counts. We also have opportunities to serve Visalia and the valley. When we do that, we can be a reflection of God's kingdom and everyday activities. We can show each other this new kind of greatness that God is inviting us into. We can reflect the greatness of God to our neighbors, to our co-workers. This greatness that is defined by Jesus. Instead of this fake aggression... You know what I'm talking about. That fake aggression that stinks and everyone can tell it comes from a place of fear and insecurity. Jesus' greatness is a new kind of greatness, a different kind of greatness. Where he seeks to serve instead of being served. That's why here at Imago Church, we serve our community in the spring. And we're going to be doing that again during the spring, during the Easter season. We're going to serve the community. We're going to go out there and serve. And then each fall, we take an opportunity to outreach to our community, this community that God so passionately loves. And then during the holiday season, we have opportunities to practice hospitality through the holidays. That's why we did that over and over again, not for ourselves, but to reflect the glory and the greatness of God. You know, I remember in many opportunities when we've been out serving, some of those that we've served have asked me at times and some of you have shared stories with me. When people come up and simply ask, why are you doing this? Why would you... Go out and serve and build up and outreach. Why would you do that? Well, we do it because we are reflecting the kingdom of God. Estamos reflejando el reino de Dios. We're reflecting the kingdom of God. We're reflecting God's love, which has the power to bring together and transform unlikely people like you and me in unlikely circumstances. God can do it all. Remember in that passage, nothing is impossible. So when we serve, when we outreach, when we welcome one another, guess what we're doing? We're using power to reflect Jesus. 
We're using a new kind of greatness to reflect and point to the glory of God. Remember, the deeper we go in our journey with God, in our journey with Jesus, the more things are going to feel like God is turning them right side up. Suddenly, what we used to think of as normal is no longer normal. Using people as a means to an end, that is no longer normal in the kingdom of God. Instead, serving, seeking to serve instead of first being served, that is greatness in the kingdom of God. All things become reversed because of Jesus, because of the Lordship of Christ. He's redefined and restored power and greatness. According to what Jesus is saying here to the disciples, he's saying that, the, the, that he came not to, serve, not, not to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down for many. According to Jesus here, that means that the great ones among us will not be the most intimidating or the scariest or the wealthiest or the strongest, but the greatest among us will be the ones who roll up their sleeves and serve, who lay down their lives for others as Jesus laid his life down for us. Those who reflect Jesus reflect greatness. Los grandes en el reino de Dios son aquellos que reflejan la imagen de Cristo, el ejemplo de Cristo, aquellos que aman a Dios y sirven a su prójimo. Greatness in the kingdom of God is marked by the ones who reflect Jesus, by the ones who show up, especially when it's scary. Greatness in the kingdom of God are the ones who press on, especially when it gets hard. Greatness in the kingdom of God are those who persevere amidst challenges. That is greatness in the kingdom of God. And God's inviting us into that in this new year. To go the next level with him, the next level with each other. Through this new kind of greatness. Restored and redefined in the kingdom of God. So what does that mean and look like for us in this community? And even in the life of our local church here, or in the lives of our families as well. How can we practice this new kind of greatness? How can we be Jesus people that serve wherever we are? Well, we have the opportunity to exercise and reflect kingdom power when we serve, when we show up. And we also have the ability to reflect kingdom power and kingdom greatness When we are approachable. When we are approachable and when we approach others as well. Be clear about this. Everyone here has power. You have the power to bless this community. You have the power to bless one another. You could bless those around you by being approachable. And also by approaching others, by closing the gap. Now I know it's safer, it's more comfortable to just do me and mine and be in my own space. But guess what? Jesus invites us to go the next level, the next stage. We can bless one another by being approachable and approaching others. 
especially those that are new, especially those that are looking to connect with God and connect with a new community, we can bless each other. We can use our power for kingdom greatness in this way. When we're approachable and approaching others, guess what? We also reflect the character of God. Jesus came down to us. He approached us. He closed the gap when there was distance. He did that with us. We can reflect his greatness, his power, his character when we do the same. Jesus Christ came to approach us and connect us back to himself. We can bless one another by being approachable and approaching others. Closing the gap, just like God did with us. Because here's the truth. You and I are made for this. We are made for connection. But here's the problem. And it's the truth. And maybe this connects to some of the challenges we talked about earlier. And this is not to highlight or put up or put down or anything like that. But it's naming the reality. And I've experienced this myself as well. But God always wants to take us to the next level. The truth is this. We are made for connection. But the problem is that sometimes we have experienced hurt or disappointment. Which that hurt and disappointment then leads us to a fear-driven protection. So instead of seeking connection, we're now just seeking protection. But God invites us to the next level. I love one prayer that one congregant here from our church shared with me at one point. And they said this. They said, every Sunday morning, I have to pray. And I pray, God, give me the faith to be approachable and the courage to approach others. We're blessed to be a blessing and we can bless others and it'll be a blessing to ourselves because we're made for this connection when we do this. And yes, I know some of us have experienced the hurt, the disappointment in past relationships, but part of going the next level with God is to be open to the power of grace. And what does grace do? Grace heals. Grace restores Grace restores this desire to seek and to be open to that God-given desire for connection. We don't have to just hide in self-preservation or in fear-based protection, but we can now trust God into this God-given desire of connection. So we'll connect, we'll, we'll connect after service, we'll continue to, to fellowship. But as we conclude this message, I just want to end with one final verse. And it's from verse 45 here in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. And it says this. El último versículo es el Marcos 10, 45. Lo pueden leer en español. But I'll read it in English. It says Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. For many. Porque ni aun el Hijo del Hombre vino para que le sirvan, sino para servir y para dar su vida en rescate por muchos. He came to serve, not to be served. This is our God. He's our great King, our great Lord, who in His own freedom, in His own grace, He became like us 
so that we could be with him. He approached us. He closed the gap to restore that disconnect. And through him, we may live just as our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ did. He came to serve and not be served. Our Lord and leader who laid down his very life in order that we may live. So today my prayer is that together as a community, may we trust in him more than we do in ourselves and enter into this new reality of redefined and unexpected greatness. And in this, may we be reflectors of Jesus, pointing others to the glory and to the greatness of God. Amen? Let's pray together. Vamos a orar juntos. Help us, Lord Jesus. That's our prayer. That's our our cry this morning. Lord, we know that um, we can't. So you must, Lord. We can't go through this life alone. So you, Lord, you must help us. You receive that prayer, Lord, when we cry out to you and we simply say, help. Help us, God. With whatever we're going through, whatever situation, whatever circumstance, Lord, is, as the song says, Lord, may we look to you, not just to ourselves. Lord, we've taken time to reflect on your word. It's built us up. It's blessed us, God. Now, as you send us out later today, Lord, after we worship God, help us to be reflectors of your glory and of your greatness, God. We reflect your greatness when we choose, just like you did, Jesus, to serve rather than be served. To approach, Lord, rather than to hide. And God, we know it's not easy for many of us. But we thank you for your Holy Spirit. That is the good counselor. That is the guide. That is the teacher. That is the patient one, Lord. That is the one who began the good work in us and will bring it into completion, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Te damos gracias, Señor, porque tú estás aquí presente con nosotros. Y confiamos que tu Espíritu Santo, Señor, va a desarrollar una madurez. Nos va a llevar a un nuevo nivel, Señor, contigo. Ayúdanos, Dios Santo. Creemos y confiamos en ti. Lord, we pray, God, that you would give us the eyes, give us the hearts to be able to follow you no matter what. To be able to go the next level, God. We can't do it on our own, but the good news is that your mighty hand of faithfulness is already reaching out toward us, willing to help, willing to bring us up, God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, would you give us the courage to boldly step in to life and to see things as you see them, Lord, in light of your salvation, in light of your cross, in light of restored and redefined greatness, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you will finish the work that you started in each one of us, God. That's our prayer. That's our hope today. 
It's in the faithful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.